This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Greetings, Admirals. You're listening to episode 242 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded live on Thursday, October 1st, 2015, and available for download or streaming Monday, October 5th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Mark. And I'm Kenna. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Hey, everyone. Kenna, why don't you tell us what's coming up in this episode? This week, we've got a very special interview with 5th Passenger stars Manu Interemi and Morgan Lariah and director Scott Baker. In Stone News, we're finding out what really happened to Empress Sela after the end of Midnight, and we're also taking a first look at the details of the upcoming Admiralty and Terran reputation systems. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages, so chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live or answer our community questions. You can comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com and join the discussion on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Priority One or follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. So, Mark, did you know that this podcast isn't all we've been up to? No. What? Hmm. Yeah, well, you should be sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed news and reviews and Star Trek Online videos made specially by our team. It's true. And exclusively on our Facebook page, every month we'll be publishing a new comic following the adventures of the USS Prioritas. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, that make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And now, let's check in with the crew of Fifth Passenger. I don't know. Then let's track it out. Well, Admirals, today we are really pleased to welcome Manu Interemi and Morgan Laria to the show two of the stars of the upcoming film Fifth Passenger. So Morgan, Manu, welcome to the show and thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Are we starting? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> you did such a good job with my name too. I love it when people pronounce my name right. That was fantastic. Do you know, I've been practicing that all day. Oh, it was the, great. To the point it just rolls off the tongue now. It made me feel really good. Thank you. <laughs> good. Let's start out by getting to know the two of you. Manu, can you explain your role in the film and how you got involved with the production? Sure. It's a, a long story. I'm going to see how if I can shorten it down a little bit. I met Scott Baker, the director, on a on a trailer that I was shooting, what we would call a sizzle reel, a teaser, for a film that was not yet in production and still isn't, but um, a long time ago, to try to raise some money for it. And we just got to talking, and he told me about a sci-fi script that him and Morgan had written. So I read it, and I loved it, and... Um, then I got involved with them and we started working on it and a bunch of things happened over a couple of years that I'll just skip right over until the point when Scott called and said hey we found a spaceship and they had found some sets that we still had to do a number of builds to shoot our film there but we could dismantle and re-art department a, couple, a, a long hallway set and a, a bridge set that were standing already that we just had to redecorate to make it look more like our our film and not somebody else's. Mm. And that was going to save us a ton of money. So then I called a bunch of friends 
Tim Russ and Marina Sirtis and Armin Shimmerman and had them read the script and then we threw up a Kickstarter and the rest is history. And I can add that I didn't even answer your question. I play the character Thompson um, and Thompson is a character that in this futuristic world he is a, a lower class citizen. The, the whole idea is that the Yellowstone caldera has exploded on Earth and it's completely eradicated the planet except for these two dome structures that were able to be built in um, Africa and Asia. And the world has fallen into a a hierarchy of of like non-citizens and elite. And the non-citizens are considered even subhuman. You know, it's fallen into a master, you know, slave sort of system almost. Mm. And um, my character is one of the, you know, lower class people and these these big ships are leaving earth to this new planet and the lower class citizens only get to work on the ships they don't get to go to the new planet and so he ends up on this escape pod with a couple of other lower class citizens and a couple of the elite citizens and that's where some of the tension starts in the film so right away you've got some tension there between um between the two groups of people that are stuck on this escape pod together yeah, excellent. Um, so, Morgan, the same question to you. Can you just explain to our listeners about the character that you play in the film? Um, and also, uh, as we mentioned before, you're also credited as a writer on this film. So can you tell us more about that and your involvement? Yes, absolutely. So I play Eve Miller in the film, and she is a navigational officer on one of these massive ships going from Earth to the new planet, and it explodes, and she's forced... Well, she you know, volunteers really to survive, to go onto an escape pod with the four other uh, lead characters, Armin Shimmerman, Tim Russ, Manu Taremi, and David Lynn. And it's about us in this pod and what happens there. And I became a writer on this movie after Scott Baker. I met him at a filmmaker group and he approached me with this idea and he was writing this script and asked me to give my thoughts on it and help him work it out. And we ended up making this script together and and now here we are with the film oh excellent i've seen um i've seen all the trailers definitely have not been stalking you on every social media platform and i have to i'm very excited about it so um we're really looking forward thank you it's not even little anymore i don't know why i refer to it as little movies it's getting bigger as we as we progress isn't it yeah We had Armin Shimmerman and Scott on the show a few weeks back and it was explained a bit about where the production was at at the time. Could you give us an update on where you're at just now? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're still in post-production. We, we have a rough, really rough edit and the VFX guys have uh, just begun doing some work. So that's, that's, that's where we're at right now and that's why we're running an Indiegogo campaign is to help fund the VFX uh, because it's such an important element that that we have these these really awesome VFX artists uh, working on it. Tobias over at the Lightworks and Mike Phillips with Bayou Pictures. They're they're so good at what they do, but it's not cheap to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And you know it's just, it's it's so important. Um, you know when when we made the first proof of concept trailer a few years back, you know we we made sure that we we spent money to put good effects in there because. You know, you see low-budget sci-fi, and if the effects look cartoony or cheap or just not believable, you know, it takes you out of the movie and yeah. it, it ruins it. You know, they don't have to be, it doesn't all have to be explosions and crazy stuff, but just, just you know, whatever effects you have in there has to be believable and has to look good or, you you know, you lose the illusion of the movie. And They have so, to be photoreal, and so often... Right. So often you'll watch low-budget sci-fi, and they're not, and it makes me angry, and we're not going to produce a movie like that. Well, I just feel that when you do that, all the hard work that we did, you know, the the time we spent writing the script, all the hard work that everyone did to build the sets and make the sets look good, the costume designer to make these costumes look great, the acting, all of it, Scott's directing, it's out the window, because the minute you have bad visual effects... You lose people on the story, they're out of the world, and you've lost that person, so what was the point, really? Yeah. So can you just tell us a, a little bit about the the rest of the process for a film? Because uh, not many of us are involved in film production. You have finished the principal photography on the film, so you've got a rough cut of it. And now you're raising funds to, to factor in the visual effects. And then what comes after that in the process leading up to the release of a film like this? 
Well, um, so as we as we narrow down, you know, the cut of the film, you know, I work with the editor, and so I want this take and not that take, and we, you know, tighten up the edits and continue going back and forth with the visual effects people to, to you know, you know, they want to see uh, a final cut of the film before they put any final things of the visual effects on. But at this stage, you know, we're we're figuring out what what the the general look of the effects are going to be and things like that. And so as, as the edit moves forward. The, you know, we're, we're kind of going back and forth with the visual effects people. We're starting to have conversation with the composer, giving him like a rough edit of the film so that he can mm. start to get an idea what, what, what the film look, looks like and feels like so he knows, you know, what it's going to sound like. And, and that'll be stuff where he'll start sending over pieces of music and then we'll have discussions about that. And then... You know, when, when the we're final... also looking for a, a sound designer, like a, a sort of Foley guy, still, aren't we? Aren't we looking for somebody um, yeah. from like Star Trek that can put all the boops and the beeps and the deets when when all the computer stuff happens and the, the lights turn part, on and vital parts of the production. Yeah, yeah, yeah vital, vital stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's so then once once the composer is the music and we've got the locked edit, then yeah, we have the there's the sound designer who takes the music and the adds the special effects and then the foley and all that stuff and then there's the sound mixer who takes all that and mixes it together so that nothing is too loud and nothing is too quiet and then we have the we have the color corrector who takes the final picture and you know evens out the colors and gives it a gives it a look that that's pretty much it so once all those things kind of come together the the picture and the sound and the visual effects and then we start to to show the film around you know whether it's it's going to be probably some some film festivals and conventions and and then at some point hopefully um you know some some theaters and um, and then yeah fox there's like pictures comes and buys our movie and and it goes huge um you know the i'll have to tell you yesterday for the first time, I actually sat and watched the rough cut that we have oh, yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. And our editor, Prince Bagdasarian, has a bunch of temporary visual effects that are like super cheesy that he's placed in places where we're, we need to put a good one. But just to give you an idea, you know, of, mm-hmm. of what, what we're looking for. And just watching the rough cut as is um, with those cheesy effects in it. I really, really enjoyed the film, and that is a rare, rare thing. Usually, when you're watching, I've you know been in a lot of films, and when you watch a rough cut, if you're given the opportunity, or if you're involved in the film enough that that you can be one of the people that watches the rough cut, mm-hmm. it's not a fun process. And I, yeah. I actually enjoyed it. So we have a really good product on our hands, and and we're really excited to get it done. Oh, excellent. Well, could you tell us a little bit more about the current Indiegogo campaign? So how long is it running? How much are you aiming to raise? And where can our listeners find out more about it? It's live right now. And um, you can uh, go to fitpassenger.com and it will uh, it's supposed to redirect you there. It, something's going on and sometimes you get like an error message. So mm-hmm. if for some reason you can't find it there, I spoke with a people at GoDaddy and they said, oh, it's nothing to do on our end, but you can just go to Indiegogo and search Fifth Passenger or type Indiegogo in Google into Fifth Passenger and that'll take you there. We're offering up, uh, obviously, the, the, you know, the opportunity to, to see the film, digital download, DVDs, uh, we have some patches and t-shirts and things like that from the film, but you know, one of the cool things that, that we're offering is you know, the opportunity to get props and costumes that were used in the film signed by the actors that used them and wore them. So mm-hmm. Marina Sirtis and Tim Russ and Armin Shimmerman and Manu and Morgan, their their costumes and, and the props, the different you know, the weapons and the other little things, the the, the futuristic technological pieces that were in the film. Yeah. Um, where those are all perks that you can that you can donate to receive and um, autograph by the people who used and, and wore them. Then we're we're uh, we set our goal at at, at sixty five thousand dollars and you know indiegogo works that you get whatever you you make so even if we fall short of that goal that's we we still get to keep that and that that and that'll go to the effects so when when we did the kickstarter last year to fund the production we we went with kickstarter because they have an all or nothing because we knew just to get a production up and running 
we knew we needed to hit a certain goal. And if we didn't hit that goal, then it would just be impossible just to get the machine, you know, pumping and moving. But 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 we're at the stage now where where every little bit helps us. You know, um, every every dollar that comes in is a dollar that we can pass along to the VFX people mm-hmm. and get them working on, on, on what they're doing and um, you know making their magic happen for us. Okay. And is that is that campaign gonna sort of include um, music effects as well or is that something that you're gonna be thinking about a little bit later down the line? Well plan was is to get the visual effects moving because that takes a little bit of time and everything like that. And so depending on how much money we raise, if, if we raise enough for the visual effects, then it goes to the visual effects. If we raise more than that, then we'll have like stretch goals and say, Oh well, you know, if we get to this point, then this pays for the music, then this pays for the you know, the color correction and things like that. Um, so you get we're we're just as we're going with this film, um, you know, taking it step by step. You know, if if the if the fans come out and and we get a whole lot of support, we get enough money to finish the film, then 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 that's what we'll do. Okay, excellent. Yeah, thank you. So, with all of that in mind, are there any developments in the release schedule that you share? Well, you know, you know the you know this has been about a four year journey just to this point. Uh, as far as this film goes, it's it's something that that you know Morgan and I have been working on for a long time in Mono too, and the you know the goal has always been to make something awesome, and you know sometimes that 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 takes a while to to happen. Um, if if you want to make it good and you don't have millions of dollars to spend, it, it it takes a little while, and so we're we're still that's still our goal is is to make something awesome, mm-hmm. and um, obviously we want it to be done as soon as possible uh, because. You know, even more than the fans, you know, we want to see this film done. I want to see this film completed up on the big screen and see what what we've all been working towards. Yeah, but it's just, definitely. You know, I mean, I, I think people are excited to see it, and mm-hmm. no, no, but no doubt, like um, people are excited to see the movie. But we're excited to see it more than anybody. I can guarantee you that. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, just watching the rough cut yesterday, I was like, oh man, when we finish this movie, we're gonna have a movie to watch. So yeah. Right. Yeah, and so you know, it's um, you know, we've been talking with with distributors and things like that who are, they're they're very very interested in the film, but you know, obviously they're they're just waiting for us to get it finished. And um, mm-hmm. you know, the the more money we raise, the quicker we raise it, it the you know, the quicker that we can um, you know distribute that to the to the VFX and all the other people that are working on the film, and the sooner it can get done, you know, we we don't have any deadlines. It's just it's all personal. I mean, I, I've been. You know, joking around. I turn I turn forty next year, and so that that's my personal life goal is to have this film done by the time I turn forty. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, that'll happen. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd love to have this movie, especially if the campaign goes well. Um, we should be out by late next year at the latest. But if the campaign doesn't go well, we have to raise the money on our own and finish and and finish on our own, mm-hmm. and that can mm-hmm. be that can be really lucky. You know, I could find an uh, any of us could find a, an independent investor, or a, you know, we've had some some companies that have wanted to come in and and give us the finishing funds for the film, but then they want to steal everything from you and own it and distribute it and pretty much rip you off. That's Hollywood. Mm. Hollywood right. is filled with these companies that are, you know, not big distribution companies, but there's like, you know, hundreds of them out there in town that just want to acquire your film for as little money as possible um, mm-hmm. and then steal all the profit. Right. And we don't want to fall into that trap. So that's why we're, yeah. we're going about the way we go. We are. Yeah. Okay, and right. for our listeners who want to follow you guys and be there when that sort of eventually comes out, what's the best way to follow Fifth Passenger on social media or on the internet? I would say oh. our Facebook page. Okay. So facebook.com slash Fifth Passenger, and we're also on Instagram at Fifth Passenger and Twitter at Fifth Passenger, and that's and really that's the best five. way. Five T H passengers, just for those folks that want to spell it all out. It's just five and then T H passengers. Yeah, the number five. Yeah. yeah. Great. And um, you know, if you're if you're hungry to see to see more stuff, the you know the Instagram is a good place. Um, I've I've been posting up behind the scenes pictures and stills and things like that. So if you just want to see some good still images, um, you know, it, the the Instagram is a, is a good place for that. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, well, that's excellent. I think that's all the questions that we have for you guys. Uh, is okay. there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like us to cover um, just before we go? Um, Tim Russ actually is an alien, I found out just a week ago. He's not from this planet, and we have actual footage of him for for a couple of hours in this movie. So if you watch really close, you might see a little shift in his... Uh, <laughs> it's a little shimmery really quickly. You almost yeah. miss it, but if you really, really stare at the screen, yeah. the pixels, you can see it in the pixels. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's one of those reptilian... Yeah, we had a community dressing room, and I caught him, um, <laughs> him right now as one of the reptilian shapeshifters. Um, so if I disappear in the next week or so, you know what happened to me. Okay. Don't let them get away with it. We'll keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, Manu, Morgan, and Scott, thank you all so much for joining us today on Priority One Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Best of luck with the rest of the production, and I think I probably speak for Mark um, as well. I can't wait to see the final film when it's eventually released. And best Ah, of luck with all the funding. Thanks for having us, Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Blast. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. One of the biggest unanswered questions from the Iconian War finale was, but what about Sela? The Stowe community has been alternately shaking their fists and shaking their heads because at the conclusion of the episode, spoilers, sorry, Sela stood side by side with the heroes of the Alliance with apparently no consequences to pay for her betrayal of the Iconians, which, due to some temporal shenanigans, arguably started the Iconian War in the first place. But with the latest Tales of the War released this week, we've gotten a bit of closure to her story, if only in the form of answering a few questions and raising a few more about what her future will hold. This week's installment focuses on Sela and her actions after the celebrations at Starfleet Academy. We see her using her cunning to escape the Federation, and at the same time, we learn a little more about the other players in the finale. The Dominion, it seems, while happy to join the Alliance in their last stand against the Iconian forces, were just as happy to abandon their new allies as soon as the fighting was finished. So I'm guessing that we're not going to see a lasting peace there, then. And what about that all-important question, how did Tiket know Sela was a Romulan? This was one of the big questions raised by the community after Midnight was released. The real answer, of course, as we learned from one of Cryptic's content designers, is that some of the dialogue got cut from the mission, leaving Tiket's cursing her kind of dangling out there. But this Tales of the War retconned that issue by supposing that Cogren had told the Iconians about her in his two-week stay on the planet, before we arrived. Just a quick side note, if you haven't watched our livestream of the finale with content designer Jadua Ross, I'd highly recommend checking it out. There's a lot of good insights in there. We'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO242, or you can head to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube.com and search for Priority One Podcast. So presumably Sela knew that her actions would have consequences and saw fit to hightail it out of Federation space before the heat came down on her. I don't think anyone here is actually surprised at that revelation, and it will be exciting to see when we'll get to meet up with her next. But enough about the past, let's look to the future. Mark, what's up next? So after the initial teases, the Admiralty system is beginning to get some blog off. This week saw the first article starting to explain in more detail what it is explaining ships, campaigns and assignments. As we've progressed, we've commanded dozens of different ships and as an Admiral, it's time to take on the administration of large portions of the Alliance's combined fleets. Yay for paperwork! Not really. We'll be sending our Admiralty ships on assignments in hope of retrieving valuable assets and advancing our influence and prestige. The roster of ships that we'll have will be comprised of Starship classes we currently have access to. We'll maintain access to them if we dismiss them for an active roster. It does not include ships still inside reward packs or those not yet claimed. When gaining access to a new ship class, the same ship will be added to the system. For example, unlocking the Hestia Advanced Escort unlocks in the system, but only one of them. However, fleet and mirror versions are counted as separate. Breaking down the ships, they have characteristics that will impact them during the system, much like traits and specialisations in the DOS system. They are tier, 
the ship the label is available, rarity, the method in which it was acquired, such as Dilithium, Lockworks and Revent, stats, the ship's ability to succeed on assignments enlisted as Engineer, Science and Tactical. The values for each ship are based on their in-world capabilities and higher tier ships obviously have higher stat totals. Added to this are special abilities, modifiers that apply to an assignment. Abilities do not improve with tier, so a lower ship may have the ability that is needed for the assignment you're after, making lower tier ships useful and not completely irrelevant. Maintenance is a final characteristic and this is a cooldown on the ship and how long it will be before you can use it again. Progression in the Admiralty system is going to be divided up into multiple groups of assignments with their own themes and sets of rewards. These will be called campaigns. I'm thinking similar to the DOF assignment chains. In each campaign there are 10 tiers, each improving rewards within that campaign. This is also how you can earn additional rewards such as titles and numeric bonuses. Every assignment offers campaign XP as one of the rewards and the first one completed each day offers a large campaign XP bonus. Each campaign has a tour of duty, an assignment chain that takes several days to complete but offers substantial rewards. When a tour is completed, progress is reset allowing you to earn these rewards again. Reaching tier 10 in any campaign grants an epic quality admiralty ship tied to the campaign theme. The campaigns represent major political factions within the galaxy and the system will launch with United Federation of Planets and Klingon Empire. The devs expect all players to eventually participate in assignments on behalf of both powers as each of them specialise in a particular type of reward, allowing players to decide for ourselves what we would like to pursue as our primary reward. Additional campaigns will be released in the future, allowing expansion, new choices and challenges. When we begin, we will have just three slots for assignments, but this will go up to eight as we progress. Each campaign will offer three assignments pulled from a list of dozens. The choices are defined per player, not map, like as the duty officer system, and will be available through map changes, logouts, etc. We can either complete the ones presented to us or pass on them using a pass token, which is acquired by getting a critical success on an Admiralty assignment. The next assignments available are displayed, allowing us to plan ahead. Assignments vary in duration from as little as 15 minutes up to 4 hours, but tour of duty assignments require 20 hours to complete. Now, once an assignment is chosen, a planning stage begins, allowing three ships to be slotted for each assignment, although assignments can start with as few as one ship. Ships should correspond to requirements and the challenges presented. The engineering, science, and tactical, as mentioned earlier, are also a stat requirement for each assignment. These are the target stats to get a 100% chance to succeed. Excess will give a chance to get a crit, while not meeting the targets will result in a decreased chance of success. Added to this are events, additional modifiers that are randomly assigned each time an assignment becomes available, meaning that variables change slightly and you should take extra care when choosing your ships. The events have various effects from an increase in stat requirements to a maintenance penalty for ships. Although events also include a positive of some sort, such as increased crit chance or additional rewards. Successful completion of any Admiralty assignment offers more rewards than the DOF system with a crit success that will magnify those rewards further. This system will join the DOF and R&D system UI as a new tab along the top of the same window. The page will be restructured slightly to allow for the new feature and give additional information and options for progression in this additional system. Access will become available to it at level 52. It will be rolling out to Tribble Test Server in the near future, which actually turns out to be now. As always, things are subject to change and we should see the Admiralty system launch with the release of Season 11 and New Dawn. Make sure you log into Tribble and tell us what you think. Have any of you managed to check out the system yet? What do we think? And maybe get the ball rolling. I don't play on Tribble. As a matter of, of personal preference, but I have kind of peeped other people doing it so I don't know well last week I kind of said I would reserve judgment on the Admiralty system until I actually saw it in practice and having seen a couple of people play it I think it looks pretty solid I'm still not convinced that it's not just another thing that we have to do but um, from my perspective I like my immersion uh, and this actually helps that because now I can really feel as though I'm I'm an admiral a fleet admiral if you must be uh, if you must know and it means that my job is a captain of a starship, so that's my job. I run a starship on a day-to-day -day basis, and I have my DOF assignments, etc. 
but actually my rank is a fleet admiral so it makes me feel like I'm doing that part of my job as well and not that I'm just an admiral flying around in a spaceship for no apparent reason. I was on triple. I did have a, a, a look at this and yeah, it's it's pretty solid. I think it's missing something. Like I said last week, I do like the idea and I think the only downfalls right now are maybe some of the cooldown times, but like it's on triple. So, you know, like they can tweak that a little bit. I think the cooldown times for some of these things are a little steep. Now, I know that they want this, you know, to be a system that we don't just power through in one day. You know, it's meant to be over, you know, a long period of time. But the cooldown times seem a little bit steep. Now, if you have a large amount of ships, which I actually do, it probably would be a lot easier. But for the free to play player, it might be a little bit more difficult. I think it's missing something as well, like, I, I was trying to think what would improve it now, I don't think they'd be able to implement, implement this, but if, you know, you could select your ships and you open up a map and, you know, you're actually saying, alright, well, I want you to go here and it has a list of missions that, you know, you can do in that particular location, I think that would help with the immersion side of it and, you know, the actual feel of an admiral giving orders rather than, you know, it's, it's a UI interface that's it. If, if there's just something a little bit more where you're going, alright, I want to go here, and you know, you actually select an area and there's a list of missions that you can do in that area, and as you progress through it, you open up more and more areas that you can go to throughout the galaxy. I think that would be really good, or would help, but it's probably something that can't be implemented. What about you, Mark? Because you wrote this piece, you did most of the background research on it. What do you think of it? To me, the cooldowns in their current state are a little harsh. A day and a half for a tier 6 ship to come off of the maintenance time, 20 hours for a tier 5 if you've been playing for as long as I have. I only have tier 5 and tier 6 ships. You know, I get rid of some of the rest of them to make room for the, the new and the shiny. So, to go back I'm either going to need new ship slots and to spend a whole lot of dilithium to reclaim ships it would have been nice if there was a way, and we know it's not in-game, but to lead ships to being reclaimable. Because I went back and I tried to get the, the Miranda again, and it was going to cost Dilithium. I went back to do a couple of things, and it's going to cost Dilithium. So it's seeming, for someone like me who's a long-term player and a tiny little bit of a completionist, a bit of a Dilithium sink. Can we, can we talk about that, actually? I wanted to talk about the, the ship cards and all that, because it seems like... Potentially, new players actually have an advantage in this system because you will get all of those, you know, your Miranda and your, I can't remember what all of the starting level ships are. And I think a few minutes ago we were talking about the abilities that you have attached to the ships and some of them are pretty material, those abilities, like reduced cooldowns on maintenance and other things that, that, that you can get where they've stated that they want to make the lower tier ships more useful. So. Where those of us who have been playing it and dismissed all of our low-tier ships, does that make potentially new players have a slight advantage? Oh yeah, especially if they know it's coming. You know, I'll keep pointing this ship, I'll do this. They'll play the game differently than what older players have, because me going up and going, right, I was sitting at tier 5 for a while before they got tier 5 ships. Let's dismiss a whole lot of ships, let me go and try to do a Star Cruiser, let me go and try and pilot um, a Luna class, let me go and try to do this for a bit of entertainment back in the day. Is this going to lead to ships always being reclaimable? Because I don't remember who said it, but apparently up till now, if you've dismissed a ship, unless it was you know bought through the sea store, there wasn't really a way to track ships that you'd dismissed. But now we will have it, because if you've got the card, then you had it at some point and you've dismissed it. And potentially you could get that Miranda back if you wanted to. Which would be nice. It just seems like we're going to have to put a bit into it to reclaim it. Like going, like I said, going back when I tried to get it, I had to pay the lithium. So it's yeah, it's a step in the right direction, but it's going to be a lot of a growing pain along the way. I think they possibly could give everybody the Miranda card at the very start, regardless of if you have the ship or not, because anyone that starts off playing on the Fed side always jumps into the Miranda first. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, you always, you get always it. have it. So that's a safe bet for them to say, all right, everybody had this ship. So 
if they wanted, they possibly could give everybody that card. When you get up to level 10 to the Lieutenant Commander and up, there's a bit of a fork on the road there, so they mightn't be able to do it with those. But probably they would be able to give everyone the Miranda card, at least. That leads into the next point, which is there's been a, a, a slight, maybe unintended consequence of the Admiralty system, which is that the mirror ships on the exchange have ballooned in price. And I remember when I first started, getting some cheap mirror ships on the exchange was a great way to try out different types of ships. And now the cheapest one you can get is over 2 million EC, which is going to be really hard for somebody who's not been playing long. And they've, they've, they've really lost what I thought was used to be a, a big advantage, just being able to buy those ships and try them out. On the flip side of that, it's the Admiralty system has given the mirror ships value. Again, I, I'm sitting on probably about 10 or 15 mirror ships in my bank. I mean, I couldn't give them away. I really couldn't. Who would want them apart from a new player? That's the only people who probably would want them. But it's, you see on the flip side, as I said, it's given them value again. I know where you're coming from, you know, uh, on a new player's perspective, but there is the other side of it as well. I just hope in time we see what the mirror ship versions are, if there's some difference to them, and maybe there's just a slight adjustment on Tribble, maybe it's, or sorry, the exchange, maybe it's just a slight knee-jerk reaction of people are going to want these, let's rack up the prices. Well, you see, it's just, it's more ships for you to potentially send off on assignments. Having said that, you know, this could be a temporary effect because there are lots of people who as soon as they heard that the mirror ship was going to be a separate ship card would go out and buy it so then they've got it and they're done it, it's not it's not necessarily going to be a sustained market for those ships so maybe it will die down a bit after we've got the admiralty system launched that brings us to this week's community question what are your first impressions of the admiralty system what are you most looking forward to so while we're talking about new content, a blog post giving us more details on the new rep for season 11 was just published. Now there is a lot of information in this blog, so I suggest you read through it for yourself and get a feel for what might be most beneficial to your characters. But to start us off, we'll go through a few of the salient points and pick out a few features that we think will be interesting to a lot of players. So the background to the Terran Task Force is that it is a joint effort between the Federation the Klingon Empire and the Romulan Republic, which was set up to fight back against the Terran Empire's invasion of our universe. The gear that it's offered as rewards was created by the Klingon House Peg to be used against the Federation, but was hidden away when the two factions came to peace. Now, however, that gear is perfectly suited to repelling the Federation counterparts from the Mirror Universe. So, what do you need to know about the new deck? Firstly, there's nothing different about it except its rewards. You'll earn turn marks by completing new queues, counterpoint and assault on Terok Noor, and by fighting in the new Badlands battle zone. Secondly, the elite marks are called turn gravimetric inducers, and like the other reputations, can be earned by completing advanced and elite versions of the aforementioned queues and battle zone events, and yes, you'll be able to convert normal marks into elite marks. Finally, rewards for progressing in the reputation will include all new traits, kit modules, space equipment and weapons, and ground equipment. There are multiple separate set bonuses for each of the equipment or weapon sets. So let's have a look at some of the more interesting pieces and bonuses that you can pick up. First, ground equipment. There's a pretty standard set of armor, shield, and high density beam rifle, but there's also an awesome new electric batleth. The artwork for which is pretty sweet. The bonuses for this set emphasise physical, disruptor, and electrical damage buffs and special attacks. Next up are space weapons. The beams and cannons are disruptors, and there are photon torpedoes as well. All three come with a chance to apply withering radiation, which, by the way, stacks. The Feral Fluid Hydraulic Assembly Universal Console, among other things, boosts auxiliary and weapon subsystems and reduces the cooldown on torpedoes. The bonuses for this set are really for kinetic fans, increasing projectile damage and, with the three-piece bonus active, firing a torpedo adds an additional basic torpedo of a similar type. While we're talking set bonuses, let's look at the last group, Space Equipment. Each of the pieces primarily offers an enhanced defensive capability while also occasionally giving a boost to an offensive one. For example, the Covariant Shield Array reduces phaser damage, but has a chance to fire a burst of disruptor energy back at an attacker. 
Now the warp core slash singularity core I find particularly interesting. It looks like it will give extra power to all subsystems and increase all max subsystem power. We don't have any details yet of the magnitude of the extra power, but it will be one to watch, especially with things like the plasmonic leech out there, which is very popular, doing basically the same thing but using up a console slot. The space equipment set bonuses don't particularly interest me, although captains with squishier ships will like the enhanced shield protection. It remains to be seen whether that and the four-piece extra AoE disruptor damage will be enough to convince players to move away from their existing sets. There are also three new kit modules and some new traits to play with. I like the look of the Tier 3 Ground Passive Emergency Personal Cloaking Device and the Tier 5 Ground Clickable Ability Visual Dampening Field. But of course, it remains to be seen how useful these will all be once captains can get their hands on them. As I said already, there's a lot of information in this blog post, so if you want to have a read through yourself, we'll leave a link in the show notes. So, Mark, Winters, have you guys had a chance to read through the details of the new reputation? Oh yeah, the look at that battle is just absolutely gorgeous. I want it now. I want oh, it it's now. amazing. Is it retractable? It looks as if it is. That's just amazing. It's very cool and practical as well, because, you know, those big batleths, they just would always... I can imagine myself holding a batleth and always running into Fashion doorways. Fashion get functional. <laughs> always. Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole retractable thing, it looks cool. So shout out to whoever did that. It looks amazing. Besides the really cool batleth, did anything else catch your eye? I haven't had a chance to look at this yet. So as you were reading that, I was listening and that warp core sounds very interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. So I'm going to be checking this out. And yeah, I could be picking up a few things from this reputation set. I mean, I think it's a bit of a moot point. Whenever a a reputation comes out, everyone's obviously going to try and max it out. Because you can. I mean, there's no there's no barrier. There's no reason not to, basically. Whether we'll then go and go that extra mile to get all the stuff, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. But I do especially like the some of the ground traits. I'm not a huge ground player, but this idea of... I don't know if you read the emergency personal cloaking device. Basically, it's a... You get a personal cloak under, I think, 30% health? Which will be interesting. I can see, like, fields of invisible people out there. It's normally when you need to go to a doctor <laughs> if you can see With these people. things on. Well, they're not quite invisible, are they? With the cloak on. But because it's a passive ability, so it would just kind of automatically happen. It would be quite interesting to see what that ends up looking like. Yeah, we'll see. I can't wait to get my hands on it and, and see exactly how it all works. I'm looking at the blog right now and going, oh, look at that thing. Like I said, there is a lot of information in there. They haven't given us the, you know, the hard numbers on anything, but there's enough to chew on until we do actually get to see what those numbers are going to be. So that would bring us to the patch notes for this week, which, strap yourselves in. It's a bit of a doozy. Brace, brace yourselves. Yes, brace for brace impact. For critical <laughs> hit impact of one. Resolved an issue which occasionally causes maps to crash, which is a really good one to have. If we were having one, we would definitely want that one. You know what, Mark? I think you need to have a sit down. Just catch your breath before we move on to the next segment. Ooh, yeah. That was a doozy. But moving on. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here are the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. This week, Thomas of Cryptic Cat tweeted a lot of dual monitor wallpapers from STO ships. Of course, we'll leave the links to these tweets in the show notes. At CrypticEQAH tweeted, My Admiralty brings all the caps to the yard and they're like, You want some ship cards? Damn right, I want some ship cards. In reply to the loot critter, asking about increase in ship slots, at Borticus Cryptid tweeted, We're working on something. Not sure if and when it'll be announced. Ooh, ooh, I know when it's going to be announced. Soon. TM. Soon. TM. <laughs> <laughs> At Borticus Cryptic also tweeted, You heard it here first. Thomas the Cat spends his working days musing about Disney princesses. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Admirals, this is the last week to play the featured episode Midnight and earn a spec point or upgrade. Plus the space trait Nanite Repair Matrix. And don't forget, the Design Your Own Ship competition is in full swing. For further details, we'll leave a link in the show notes, or you can follow Star Trek Online on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates on the project. 
As provided by our lovely chat channel, there'll be an XP weekend November 19th to 23rd. As always, these events are subject to change without notice. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Admirals, we're at that part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, what would be on your wish list for a brand new ship? It could be a feature for the new Federation carrier that's in the works or something completely different. All feedback this week is provided via PriorToOnePodcast.com. It's a pretty good website. You should check it out. Sean Newboy posted, Excellent show, everyone. Loved the interview. Number one, don't care about the Fed carrier. Number two, I want a tier six to cure. Oh, I never thought about that ship for T6. Hmm. That could be interesting. Marquis posted, What I would really, really like to have is fighter pet controls for the other small craft. Namely, the Galaxy and Audi saucer separation, Prometheus multivector, and Aquarius slash Hostess pets. Now, they just fly off and basically do their own thing, but having them under full fighter pet control would make them a bit more versatile. Guard this freighter, for example. Speaking of the Aquarius pet, unlike the other races, Kate DF has BOP pets, Recluse has mesh weavers, the Federation lacks frigate level craft. I would like to see the new Fed carrier to have four Aquarii. The model is already in-game as an Odyssey pet enemy. Nice to hear Tony again. Thanks, Elijah, for the interview with Michael Westermore. Good stuff all round. Sunseal posted, I came back from an extended break from P1 and here Tony, dude, we miss you. Yeah, we miss him too. Mm -hmm. But not as much as we missed Mark, obviously. And we're glad he's back. Anyway, wish list for a new ship. Number one, Cavort class battlecruiser. Yes, that ship. Number two, tier six variants of the older lockbox ships. As for the whole, it's Guinan's fault. Actually, it's not. Picard did let yesterday's Yar go, but Guinan never told her that she needed to transfer. That was Yar being all, I want my death to mean something. On that note too, it's also partially your fault as well. After all, you did help her get back to that timeline yourself, temporal ambassador. Neon Phase posted, Thank you for another great podcast and no complaints about Tony's comments. With season 11 approaching, and with all the discussion of getting back to exploring, we need a grand ship to lead this, so I'd like to see a revamp of the Odyssey class with a secondary deflector array and a hangar bay to at least match up with the Romulan Dreadnought. Maybe not in raw firepower, but at least to keep the Federation flagship relevant. It's true that I miss having a Federation flagship. I mean, okay... TNG is my favourite because everybody knows that but I do miss that concept of having the awesome flagship ship because there aren't any flagships anymore really are there? Well the the flagship is um, the Enterprise F which is the Odyssey but that's tier 5 Well no because I quite like my fleet arbiter and I personally think that it's the best ship but I mean I guess it's part of the mechanic of the game there can't really be a flagship otherwise everybody would want it or feel disappointed that they didn't have it but still there's always you know in every well I won't say every Star Trek series but at least in the first couple you know the Enterprise was the flagship that's kind of fallen by the wayside in here but boy that's a whole topic for a whole different podcast (laughs) yeah just skip to Enterprise Z we've got we've got a temporal ship we can just make it happen (laughs) just make it so I was trying to think of something else to say anyway Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO priority one or shoot an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 242 of priority one podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Isaiah Dorsch, Navy Boat Slough, Stephen Humphrey and Matt Miracle. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. What are your first impressions of the Admiralty system and what are you most looking forward to? Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our website, on our Facebook page or with a Twitter reply. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. 
We want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs. And with additional contributions, we can continue to grow the network and bring you more of the content you love. Please consider a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority win. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, sharing this podcast with your friends is a great way to support the show. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com, and now you can become part of our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years, including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah, our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria Day Post, and James Calvin. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs. That's T-O-W-R-Y designs.deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, Elle. To our founder reviewer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuit Media for supporting the show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the SEO community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Just now. <laughs> hey, we went to something. We're gonna we're we're transitioning to a more conversational, yeah, friendly, up. approachable type of priority one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking through the script, going, she, she's off script. She's off script. <laughs> man the lifeboats. Man the lifeboats. <laughs> Red alert. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I, I could. We could go back and redo it all and make it more dry if you want to. But <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm only messing. <laughs> and it will be exciting to see when we get. Blah, blah, blah. So after the initial teases, I'm going to say this wrong. Teases. Teases. <laughs> tassels. Tassels. Juice hit tassels. Quentin Sabrina. Yes. Tassels. Okay. So we're confusing with the teenage witch. Let's go way back to the weekend flashback. Uh. <laughs> Admiralty. Throwback Thursday. Go back. Hashtag TBT. <laughs> <laughs> so after the initial teases, the Admiralty. I'm saying that again, Admiralty. What is it? Come on, Cookie. <laughs> Ad- Admiralty. I'll tell you what, here. Wait, wait, wait. Winters, just take this. Admiralty. And then just paste that <laughs> in. <laughs> oh, that's going to be funny. <laughs> after the initial Admiralty. <laughs> big deep man voice and then Admiralty hold on big deep man voice about me yeah right well you know what I mean <laughs> burn <laughs> yeah. so after the initial could... tease oh god sorry <laughs> by the way folks I'm the only person who is not drinking alcohol tonight these are the two Yet. that's that is a filthy lie. <laughs> a filthy filthy lie. lie. These other two are really on it. 
<laughs> you no. were about to say we're wasted. That's not true at all. Not at all. We are professional individuals. Professionals. Professionally wasted by Bolveni. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, we're going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sending our admiralty. Sh- we'll be sending our insert Kenneth's voice here. <laughs> admiralty. <laughs> You want to take a bit, Winters? Option zero, I can keep going. Uh, what? Wait. I'm tuned out, sorry, what's going on? <laughs> I gave you an option if you wanted to speak, oh, or I can keep going if you want. Always attentive, <clears throat> yeah. Winters. He's on the ball. <laughs> sorry, this is my check that he off. doesn't do stealth edits. Gives, he always gives 110%. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's going on? No, go on, continue on. Not unless you want me to do it. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Okay, give me a second here. Do re mi fa. Anyway. (laughs) Jeez. I'm thinking of similar to Duff Assignment Chains. That was perfect timing. (laughs) Dude, who's got got their notifications on? Winters. That's me. Dude, D&D, man. Do not disturb. This is important work. I'm thinking of the... The events have various effects from an increase in stat requirement to ma- to mm. uh oh shoot I've completely lost my place right successful yes Mrs Moneypenny Sean Connery <laughs> the name's Bond Six- James Bond yeah James Bond yeah in your dreams <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was really harsh it wasn't meant to be. Successful, yes, it was. Um, <laughs> Guess who's going to be in Successful the booth complete- this week? Oh dear. Go on. I'll have to make it up later. Okay. As always, things are subject to change, and we should see the admiral. Admiralty. Admiralty. Yes, thank Admiralty. You. Admiralty. <laughs> Ad yeah. Then that. Well, that also. No. Sorry. That also sort of, um, did you have something no, more to I was add to that? I going to let you carry on. I think we were going to say the same thing. Probably, because it leads us into the next question, which is, well, it's not really a question, it's a statement, which is that, oh, hang on a second. Sorry, my, um, my chat's going a bit crazy, so I just started hearing myself back. <laughs> that was a bit confusing, sorry. What are your first impressions of the Admiralty system? Admiralty. What are your first impressions of the Admiralty system? Admiralty. Hey. Hey. I'm looking at that and going, how the heck am I saying this next one? Ferrofluid that would be ferrofluid hydraulic okay. assembly. Thank you very much. If he can get past this and he can't say Admiralty, there's something wrong yeah. here. It's the accent. <laughs> it's the end of the word. The Ferrofluic Hydraulic Assembly Universal Console, among other things. Yes. I don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you technically, actually, he said ferrofluid. Right, I'll go into it. So I'll it go, should be ferrofluid. The Ferrofluid <laughs> Hydraulic... Uh, now I can't say it. <laughs> now you can't pressure. say it. Under pressure. <laughs> I jinxed it, sorry. Ow. <laughs> I, just rattled my, I just rattled my hand off the desk. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> oh, that God. hurt. It's a full yeah. contact podcasting yeah, right contact here. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought he slipped off the chair and banged his head off the table or something. No, that was just my hand. <laughs> oh, I've not had that much He's water. laying on the ground. He's trying to pull himself back. I'm withering. <laughs> the bonuses for oh. this set are really for kinetic fans. Like my hand against the table. <laughs> That was real kinetic. That's, that, there's some increased projectile is, damage. Oh, I think that was a crit chance. Ow. <laughs> really? Critical hit. <laughs> and we've lost winners. You can hear him dying oh in the background. Oh god. Yeah. Right, consummate professionals. Consummate professionals. Professionally <laughs> kinetic. Bible venom. <laughs> Winters, put yourself together, man. We're the ones that were drinking, remember? 
Okay. And he's was, actually, I, I think he's crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bloopers. Oh, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> oh. Ow. Oh. All right. The last, oh, the one last sentence. Here we go. Yeah. At Cryptic EQAH tweeted, My Admiralty brings all the cats to the yard and they're like, You want some ship cards? Damn right, I want some ship cards. I ran out of space. <laughs> oh oh my again. god. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> so you can't put that in there and not expect me to actually sing it. I know that's why yes. you put my name on it. I can do it straight if you like. My admiralty brings the caps to the yard, and they're like, "You want some ship cards? Damn right, I want some ship cards." I ran out of space. Breathe, oh breathe. Oh, so you you can you yeah. can pick and choose which. Oh no 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 no! There's going to be some background music on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Karaoke. <sighs> Admirals, An- animals. <laughs> Admirals, Admirals. Out of Admiralty. Admiralty. Yeah, you said it right when I don't need to say it. <laughs> yeah. Admirals. I did it again. <laughs>